The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 256, recorded on Monday, March 11th, 2019. I'm Vanessa, along with my co-host, Brad. As is the norm, we'll be talking about aliens and alien-related things in this episode. And what sorts of things are you are you wondering? Well, NASA passes a major milestone this past week. Not a kidney stone. Oh, yeah, I hear those are unpleasant. The Orville gets its own comic book or is getting its own comic book. And 25 years later, Michigan UFO sightings remain a mystery, as well as a review of a classic episode of Supernatural. (laughs) (laughs) So question, Mm -hmm. do you think the aliens have pets the same way that humans do? Yes. I I tend to believe that it's, uh, I think it's natural to have a pet of sorts in that I think both give or and receive something in a partnership as as it were uh, with cats they get a clean litter box and food and we get uh, warm pets and purrs <laughs> unless you have a crazy cat then you uh, get scratches you get scratches or poopy kitten feet in your food or you know yeah stuff like that but I, I think that it's I think that it's normal. What do you think? I think it's possible that they have pets, like, I don't know for like their amusement or companionship, but I think they probably have another life form that they take care of that would be of a different species. Sure. At least I would like to think so. Like some alien planet, someone's taking their vlorp for a walk or something. (laughs) (laughs) I always think of, uh, who was it? It was uh, Chameleon Boy's pet, Prody, from the Legion of Superheroes. Huh? Yeah, there we go. There's a 60s duo. Chameleon Boy and Prody. That's one I'll have to look up. I am unfamiliar. <laughs> Not even going to pretend. Be like, oh, yeah, I totally know that one. Yeah, Prody. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Wah, wah. Stuff and things. <laughs> so All right. There you go. Awesome. And I believe you have the first story. I do. NASA passed a major milestone on Friday, March 8th, in its goal to restore America's human spaceflight capability when SpaceX crew Dragon returned to Earth after a five-day mission docked on the International Space Station. About six hours after departing the space station, the crew Dragon splashed down at 8.45 a.m. Eastern Standard time, approximately 230 miles off the coast of Cape Canaveral, Florida. Now, SpaceX retrieved the spacecraft from the Atlantic Ocean and is transporting it back to port on the company's recovery ship. So this is called Demonstration Mission 1. 
and it was an uncrewed flight test, which they had <laughs> they had a flight dummy in there named Ripley. Which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I loved it. Uh here we go. They were it was designed to test the new commercial capability developed under NASA's commercial crew program. Uh, the mission began March 2nd when the Crew Dragon launched from Kennedy Space Center, and it racked up a number of firsts in less than a week. Here we go, the list. First commercially built and operated American crew spacecraft and rocket to launch from American soil on a mission to the space station. The first commercially built and operated American crew spacecraft to dock with a space station. First autonomous docking of a U.S. spacecraft to the International Space Station. First use of a new global design standard for the adapters that connect the space station and Crew Dragon. And also will be used for the Orion spacecraft for NASA's future mission to the moon. So NASA and SpaceX teams gathered in the early morning hours. Who wrote that? NASA. NASA. Street from NASA.gov. Boom. Ah, the company's headquarters in Hawthorne, California, to follow the spacecraft's return journey and ocean splashdown. They are quoted as saying, We are all very excited to see reentry, the parachute and drogue deploy, main deploy, splashdown. Everything happened just perfectly. It was right on time, the way that we expected it to be, just like an English train. Oh, I added that part. It was beautiful, said Benji <laughs> Reed, director of crew mission management at SpaceX. That sounds like a terrible job. Crew mission management. Does I don't he, know. You're working for SpaceX. Does, it's kind of cool. Does he manage the crew? Does he manage or is he just a PR person? I don't a little know. bit of both. Maybe. Uh, a critical step in validating the performance of SpaceX systems. Demo one brings the nation a significant was tough to say step closer to the return of human launches to the space station from u.s soil for the first time since 2011 when nasa flew its last space shuttle mission however nasa and spacex still have to work out uh, what to do to validate the spacecraft's performance and prepare it to fly astronauts uh yes as i mentioned they carried ripley which was outfitted with sensors to provide data about potential effects on humans traveling in the spacecraft after spacecraft processes the data from the mission the teams will begin refurbishing crew dragon for its next mission which is an in-flight abort test targeted to take place this summer uh, called demo 2 the first crewed test flight not cr U D E first. It might be a little bit of both, depending on how <laughs> things go. First test flight with a crew. We'll 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 take it that route. With humans. Uh, yes. We'll carry well, we don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. We'll carry NASA astronauts Bob Bankin and Doug Hurley on the spacecraft's final flight to certify crew dragon for routine operational missions. <laughs> Sorry, the cat's meowing um, really loud. The cat is very lippy. <laughs> Yes, separation anxiety from me. It's weird. Uh, for the first time, we've gotten to see an end-to-end -end test. And see, uh, and so now, we've brought together the people, the hardware, and all the processes and procedures. And we've gotten to see how they all work together. And that's very important as we move toward putting people on board. 
I'm not going to read the rest. So you can read the rest at nasa.gov. And the article is titled something that is not listed. Here we go. I'm rusty. It is titled, <laughs> there we go. SpaceX crew dragon splash down March marks success of first NASA commercial crew flight test. That needed to be a longer title than that. And there's quite a few more quotes in there that got cut out. So yeah. if you're really dying to know what people are saying from NASA, you should <laughs> check it out in the show notes. Yeah. They like them apples. I love apples. I know you do. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> By Avis, the Orville is getting its own comic book. Yay! I know, right? I really love the Orville. Um, so yeah, with the Orville's very fun second season currently airing on Fox, Seth MacFarlane's sci-fi series now has another treat waiting for fans that'll take the cast yet to another frontier, the pages of a comic book. According to a Dark Horse press release, the Orville season 1.5, New Beginnings, from show executive producer and writer David A. Goodman, artist David Cabeza, and colorist Michael Atea will span two double issues that will read like episodes of the show that will take place between the first and the second seasons. Here's the official descriptions. The first of these episodes starts with the Orville number one. New Beginnings Part 1 of 2. On their way to a fleet conference, Ed and Gordon investigate a distress signal from a century-old buoy belonging to a Union ship. Back on the Orville, Kelly tries to mediate when Bordis insists on enrolling Topa in school, despite him being only a few months old. Now, I have to say, like, <laughs> Topa is aging really fast. I'm, I'm quite impressed with his race's maturing. But anyway, so the second episode begins with the Orville number three, the word of Avis part one of two, which sees the Orville intercept a small Union ship en route to the interstellar territory of the easily aggravated Krill. The passengers, originally thought to be a group of xenoanthropologists, turn out to be much, much more interesting and dangerous than the crew of the Orville could have imagined. So yeah, sounds like TV show's trademark mix of space hijinks and everyday life on the ship will carry over very much intact. And good news for Alara Catan fans. Since the comics take place before the second season, during which actor Halson Sage left the show, the Orville's petite but tough former security chief is still on board for these adventures. So, if you go to the link from Gizmodo in the show notes, you get to see her on the cover. Woohoo! Nice. Yeah, so the Orville number one, New Beginnings, part one of two, goes on sale July 17th of this year, 2019. And of course, you can catch the shows on Fox on Thursdays. Ta-da! There you go. <laughs> I kind of want to read those. Yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to check it out. For sure. All right, so. Sightings. <clears throat> Sightings. Sightings! Uh. All right, we've got an unsolved mystery from 25 years ago and hundreds of people reporting uh, seeing the uh, seeing UFOs along Lake Michigan. The eerie lights filled the sky along nearly 200 miles of Lake Michigan shoreline. On March 8, 1994, calls flooded 911 to report strange sightings in the night sky. The reports came in from all walks of life, from police and a meteorologist to residents of Michigan's many beach resorts. 
hundreds of people witnessed what many insisted were UFOs. Uh, Cindy Pravda, 63, of Grand Haven, remembers that night in vivid detail. Four lights! Oh, sorry. Four lights in the sky that looked like full moons over the lines of trees behind her horse pasture. I got UFOs in the backyard, she told a friend on the phone. I'm sure she didn't sound as gravelly <laughs> as that. Uh, today, the mystery remains unsolved, but it continues to fascinate extraterrestrial researchers, psychologists, and history buffs alike. Oh, I didn't realize our audio levels were that low. I apologize, folks. Uh, Pravda still believes the lights were UFOs. I watched them for half an hour where I'm facing them, the one on the far left moved off. It moved to the highway and then came back in the same position, Pravda told the free, it's the free press of uh, Michigan, sorry. Detroit. I know a lot of people in Michigan. I know they people. call it the freep. The freep. Uh, this was on a Thursday. Uh, the one to the right was gone in a blink of an eye. Eventually, everything disappeared quickly. She still lives in the same house and continues to talk about that night. I'm known as the UFO Lady of Grand Haven, Pravda said with a laugh. <laughs> Where it started. Daryl and Holly Graves and their son Joey told reporters in 1994 they witnessed lights in the sky over Holland, Michigan at uh, 9.30 p.m. on March 8th. Uh, quoted as saying, I saw six lights out the window above the barn across the street, Joey Graves told the Free Press in 94. I got up and went to the sofa and looked up at the sky. They were red and white and moving. Others gave similar accounts, including Holland police officer Jeff Velthaus and a meteorologist from the National Weather Service office in Muskegon County. What's more, the meteorologist recorded unknown echoes on his radar the same time Velthaus reported the lights. My guy looked at the radar and observed three echoes as the officer was describing the moment. Leo Grenier of the NWS office in Muskegon said in 94, The movement of the objects was rather erratic. The echoes were there about 15 minutes, drifting slowly south-southwest, kind of heading toward the Chicago side of the south end of Lake Michigan. In 95, the Free Press published the conversation between the National Weather Service and Velthaus. Uh, here's a transcript. What do you think it is, said the Weather Service radar operator. Velthaus described witnesses seeing five to six objects, some cylindrical with blue, red, white, and green lights. Well, there you go. The radar operator said there were three and sometimes four blips, and they weren't planes. Planes show as pinpoints on the scope. These were the size of half a thumbnail, and they were five to 12,000 feet at times, moving all over the place. Three were moving toward Chicago. I never saw anything like it before, not even when I'm doing severe weather. Hundreds of reports of suspected UFOs were called in not only to 911 dispatchers, but also to the MUFON. Sorry, I skipped ahead. The Mutual UFO Network's MUFON Michigan Chapter. And uh, we'll have a link to the actual Detroit Free Press article for you to check out. And there's a lot more information oh, on the article. It's trimmed. pretty lengthy. Yeah. This has been radically trimmed for time. So we'll have that link for you. 
All right. Awesome. If you enjoy the Alien Invasion or any of our other shows and would like to do more than just subscribe, please consider becoming a partner with us. Go to gncasts.com slash support and click the link on Patreon. Consider sending us a buck or two. Your help will go a long way to helping us grow our content and maintain our stuff. So you can keep listening. Sounds vaguely dirty. <laughs> help us maintain our stuff. <laughs> Everything needs maintenance. It's a fact. Website, audio hosting, internet stuff that I don't know about. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So again, gncasts.com slash support. All right. And now for picks and warnings, which I'm wondering if we need to rename that because we've been doing like joint stuff. Yeah, I think we might we might need to change that up a little bit. And we'll see how this goes. But living in the same house, we tend to watch <laughs> the same things at the same time. At the it. same time. Not 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 everything, but more often than not, we're both watching the same thing. <laughs> and. I am like super late to the game, but I've recently started watching Supernatural and lo and behold, Brad has sat down and joined me in my endeavor. Surprise. <laughs> and so tonight's pick or this episode's pick is uh, Supernatural episode two or season two episode. I don't remember the number, but the name is Tall Tales. And... To quote IMDb or someone on IMDb, their synopsis is when colleague hunter Bobby Singer arrives, the Winchester brothers tell him alternative versions of their story. Actually, I'm just going to tell you what it's about. So for people that are not familiar with Supernatural, it's essentially two brothers that are hunting demons and other supernatural things. In this episode, we have the Winchester boys, Sam and Dean, who, as mentioned, call their friend Bobby, who um, they're basically stumped on what's going on. So they want a third opinion, an outside opinion. And if you've ever watched The X-Files, and if you recall the episode, Jose Chung's From Outer Space, this episode very much has that vibe where you get each person telling their own point of view and each point of view is being reenacted on the screen. And it is incredibly funny to me <laughs> i found it incredibly amusing and if you enjoyed jose chung's from outer space then you might like tall tales from supernatural <laughs> so yeah it's kind of ridiculous and you're probably wondering what does this have to do with aliens but within the episode there is one gentleman who spoiler alert ends up getting abducted I do little air quotes with abducted by extraterrestrials. He gets beamed up to the spaceship. And at some point, he's slow dancing with this little gray alien. Your stereotypical gray. <laughs> and just his recount of the story and their retelling the story that they've been told um, is, yeah, it's really quite amusing and awkward. Yeah, it... Uh... The the nice thing about at least supernatural early on, especially, is that they they do their opener and a lot of times it's setting you up to think that an episode is going to be one thing and it really 
turns out it isn't. And so that's uh, been very refreshing. And uh, this was uh, almost no exception. <laughs> and what's really cool too, is that they don't seem to be hung up on a particular format. The episodes all feel a little bit different. It's not, it could easily be formulaic, but at least here in the middle or toward the last third of uh, Supernatural and second season, uh, it does not feel that way. So there you go. I highly recommend it. I do too. And we uh, only have, what, 12 more seasons to go? 11? 11 and a half. Because there's 13 seasons, I think. Oh, okay. Unless there's a new season currently going on. I don't know. I, I haven't really kept up with Supernatural, as you can tell. I'm just now starting it in 2019. <laughs> but yeah, it's overall, so far, I find it to be an entertaining show. It's not like the best thing ever, but it keeps me entertained. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters to me. Seems legit. Word. So yeah, Supernatural Season 2, Tall Tales. <laughs> just keep thinking about that frat dude drinking his shots. And then... It I was abducted. Oh, he's like, and I was probed again and, and again, again and again. again. And then there's a pause and again and again and again. And he drinks another shot. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> so still getting back into the swing of this podcasting thing. So you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> but we have gotten some messages from our listeners, albeit like a month, a month and a half ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> we got one. We actually got a voicemail. And maybe this is something that we can play when we put out the podcast if people actually want to listen to it. Otherwise, oh. I'll just do the transcript. Shoot. Yeah. If you uh, so, I feel bad, I would have prepared that and I could have actually. Oh, no, I couldn't have. My setup is at work. Oh, Yay. So, yeah, <laughs> um, we got a message from Jacob. Couldn't quite make out the last name, but that's okay. He says, I know you guys are the alien guys, I believe. I just wanted to say I do not have, this is a terrible transcript from, from Google, but he would like to mention the show on the History Channel. It's called Ancient Aliens. It has a lot of your guys' stuff on it. Thanks, bye. So Short and sweet. Short and sweet. And thank you very much, Jacob. Yes, thank you. I have watched Ancient Aliens. There is some interesting stuff on there and some wonderful memes that have stemmed from that show. <laughs> and you've played the mobile game. Yes, I, I played one of the, I, I don't know if there's multiple Ancient Aliens games, <laughs> but I have played Ancient Aliens game where you're in ancient Egypt. And I think I might have talked about this on an episode of a show a couple of years ago. But you're basically collecting evidence of aliens before... The locals catch it. So, yeah. <laughs> and you get to build stuff and do things and grow your community. So it's like alien-themed Farmville or something. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. It no, kind of is. It, it kind of is. So there you go. But anyway. And then we got a message from Paolo via YouTube. He goes, yay, Anessa's back. There's a new UFO movie with Jillian Anderson. Have you checked it out? It's another one of them where they beam down to us the prime numbers, but I guess there isn't much political issues to discuss at the moment with the government shutdown happening. And if you couldn't guess, that's when our government was shut down. 
Oh, hey, yeah, and yeah, and the movie is literally called UFO. UFO. Yep. So I have not yet seen it, but it is on my list. So I'm hoping maybe one of these days, maybe over the weekend, we can give it a watch and talk about it on an episode. Yeah. So thank you very much for pointing that movie out to us, Paolo, because I had no idea it existed. Boom. And now we've got another movie to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can even make it a, a pick in the near future. Sweet. All right. So... That's going to do it for this edition of The Alien Invasion, a Galactic Netcast production. If you'd like to read more about the stories we covered on this episode or other content we've covered, click the links in the show notes. We're all about the show notes. We would like to thank Monkey Warhol for providing our intro music. It's called a, it's a song called Alien Syndrome, and you can find it at monkeywarhol.bandcamp.com. Also to Retvard von Dernberg, a composer from Germany, for our closing song called Be Water. Learn more about him and his music at thecaravel.net. And also thanks to Ben Olson for recording our disclaimer audio at the start of this episode. Thanks, Ben. BenOlson.com for more. And thank you for joining us. Final thoughts, Brad? We're going to see Captain Marvel on Tuesday night. Yeah! Woo-hoo! I'm looking, looking forward to that. <laughs> Me too. I'm excited. I've heard good things, so I'm I'm hoping to not be disappointed. And their box office uh, take was uh, exceptional this past weekend. So, be interesting to see if it keeps the uh, keeps the staying power and keeps pulling in the cash. I think it will for a little bit, especially yep. with mostly positive reviews and end games around the corner too. So, yeah, getting everybody worked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Okay. Bye. Bye. This has been a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCast.com.